gun violence continues to take a toll in our area and beyond in this country. More than 50 people were shot in Chicago over the holiday weekend, and nine people are dead. Two of those incidents were mass shootings with four or more victims. Now, with these and other recent incidents in Chicago and that tragic school shooting in Uvalde, Texas, some people have begun to overlook or even forget about the racist massacre at a Buffalo, New York grocery store. Ten black people there were targeted and killed just over two weeks ago. But let's not forget, we are going to focus on how black people in Chicago are responding and creating a sense of safety in the wake of Buffalo and other recent mass shootings. We'll hear from several voices, a retired police detective, an activist and organizer, and first, lifestyle influencer Jenny LaFleur. She's the creator of Mama Fresh. Welcome back to the show, Jenny. Hey, Sasha Ann, how are you? Doing well, um, as well as as can be in these times. I I wonder how these shootings are sitting with you. Um, They have taken an emotion, personally, just because we've talked before, and I'll just be completely honest. Um, last week was extremely tough on me, not only as a parent, as a black woman, as a mother, um, to the point like so many other parents, I questioned if I should send my kid to school. I lingered on the playground when it was time for drop off and I was almost physically sick the entire day worried about them being there. It is a tough, tough time mm-hmm. and a time that's usually supposed to be filled with joy these last we're in the in the public school system, we're in the last 11 days. They have a theme for every day. Yes. We're supposed to be celebrating. We're supposed to be worried about what silly hat or what rainbow clothes right. to put our kids in. Yeah. Instead, these are the things that um, parents all over our city community and the country are worried about as we end another school year. Yeah, today was pajama day for one of mine, and it felt so good to have that be our, our worry as we, uh, yes. we we got ready for, for school today. So grocery shopping's been been difficult for you? too uh, after that shooting in buffalo this is um so i haven't i just i haven't been to a big grocery store yet um even after the pandemic with them you know in the height of the pandemic going in i've really stuck to a lot of small grocery stores Mm -hmm. local community stores because i felt like they were handling the ins and out better um i did go to the store after drop off today and it does give me comfort, like the same cashiers are there. There's only five aisles, you know what I mean? And so seeing those faces kind of give you comfort in a time that even a mundane task like that can seem scary. The death of Shondell Holiday, who was out just trying to have an enjoyable Saturday evening, that's also hit us hard. And I know that you are known for events and social activities that you plan, Jenny, particularly with families, with, with young mm-hmm. children. How is this impacting how you're thinking about interacting in public spaces? Well, we were um, right now we're on the brink of planning our next, which we were calling the family reunion, you know, bringing families back together after so much time of being apart. Before there were always logistical things you worried about. There were things you worried about. You got, you got insurance for, for just those common sense um, things. And even we have such a community, if a parent, and a child got separated, we would stop the party, get on the mic. I have a little so-and-so here. Instantly, they would be reunited. Those now seem like such small problems. Mm-hmm. The safe, safety as a concern just has opened up so much. And it has now such a broad spectrum that as an organizer, you're like, is it worth it? If something happened like this on my watch, I could never, you know. Right. But on the flip side, it is needed more now than ever. 
So what would you like to hear from Chicago Police Superintendent David Brown or from the mayor? Is there something that they could say or do that would make you feel safer in this city? You know, I'm a I'm a true Chicagoan, you know, so I have heard talk and rhetoric really just don't mean a lot to me because it's that's how I grew up. You know what I mean? We grew up where politicians talk and they do just that. So we hear in one concern um, that they are, you know, it's kind of that thoughts and prayers that they are really concerned with us as a city. But then the things that we do, you know, is to have the policy that supports that, that right now we feel like is it there and even some of the reactions feel very knee-jerk yeah and feel very targeted and so it doesn't um it doesn't you don't feel supported and this is again me very specific as a black mother on the south side of chicago you know and um yeah if it, it, you it, the policy it does not feel supported it still feels very divided That's and it feels like old chicago that's what it feels like that's Jenny LaFleur, creator of Mama Fresh. Thanks for joining, Jenny. Thanks, Ashan. Now, a lot of you have called in letting us know where you feel safe. Let's listen to one caller. Hi, this is Pam from Bronzeville. I always tell myself I feel safe when I'm at home. So when I'm seeing things, for instance, the mass shooting that happened on Chicago and State this past weekend, I was super flustered about it. I felt anxious about it, but I had to remind myself, like, I'm at home, my child is at home, my husband is at home, like, we're safe in our home. But any time I leave the house, driving, walking, you know, I always have to be on alert, and that's when I don't feel safe. I have to just constantly be looking around, and I've lived in Chicago my entire life, but my husband and I have been having a lot of conversations about moving potentially to a more safe area where we can leave the house and not feel that stress and anxiety. Let's turn now to Joseph Mosley II. He's a retired sergeant with CPD's detective department. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So we found out last week that uh, Senate Republicans actually blocked a bill that would have created domestic terrorism offices in order to monitor and combat white supremacism within the military and, and federal law enforcement agencies. What would the passage of a bill like that have done for you psychologically? Well, it would give me some some um, guidance, and it would give definitely beef up my belief in the system. Um, to this day, I don't believe the Ku Klux Klan has still not been designated as a terrorist organization. Uh, the other thing, you asked the question just now, and I think it's important that people understand that while Chicago police have the laws to enforce there's no backing up uh, i can i talk to policemen that are active every day and i got off the phone actually this morning they make arrests but they're not being let's just say it goes beyond the police department you can have all the laws you want but unless they're prosecuted then it doesn't happen the the other question um what we have to look at is understanding what domestic terrorism is we looked at the Buffalo shooting, we looked at the Uvalde, and in both both instances, there is a commonality. We're talking about a group of people that have naivety about going out. You know, how many churches have you seen that get attacked? Where are they, Who are they attacking? The victimology says that these people, this supremacist mindset, is going to hit at the softest part of the underbelly, and that is our kids and our old folks. 
So we don't carry guns like some other organiz- some other uh, people do at the same rate that they do. If you go in the South, for instance, you'll see you'll see people riding around with shotguns because it's that's the way they grew up. That's the way they live. No problem. You don't see that in Baltimore because it's against the law right. or Chicago. So, so something else um, that's a, a commonality, you know, between Buffalo and, and Uvalde. Um, many politicians and commentators, if you listen, you know, since these incidents, they're reflecting on the mental health of the shooter. What do you make of that focus on mental health? First off, I think that's a crock. Um, these guys, first off, if we look at how intent is proven in courts of law, uh, intent is proven being able to go from point A to point B and having what's called a cool-off period. These guys, these people go from point A to point B with intent. Intent is a knowledge. Intent is a a fact that can be proven just by your actions. I think we do some of them have mental issues. I think that we're overplaying this because what's the difference between you being able to capture one of these guys alive, but you can't stop a young a brown kid, and you kill him on the street stop. I mean, kids are, most of these kids I talk to are afraid of being stopped. Yeah. You support the Second Amendment, right? To a degree. Uh, are there certain regulations on guns that you would like to see, though? I think that, first off, when I hear people say common sense gun, gun legislation, it's oxymoronic. It is totally oxymoronic. But do I see a need for it? Definitely. I think that the idea that we can make it a certain age to buy liquor, why not do that for a gun? Why not have more intensive background checks? Uh, Atlantic, the Atlantic just did a uh, report on why legislation or gun legislation isn't getting passed. I think it's a great read. But there, there's got to be more, something done. Yeah. I mean, the, the fact that these guys can readily access or access these weapons, it's, it's, just not, it's just not natural. That's uh, Joseph Mosley II, retired detective with the Chicago Police Department. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. We want to play another voicemail that we got last week from a listener who was reflecting on how our country's legacy of racism got us to where we are today. I was born a black woman, married to a black man. We have black children. Trauma and fear of society has been with me since I was born. The thing is, America is not sorry. Mass deaths and mass executions and mass slaughter has never changed the ideology of nearly half of Americans. So mass shootings in schools will be no different. White people and their privilege, most when I say 50% of my countrymen, do not want any government telling them what to do. We have not reconciled the trauma of lynching, the trauma of Asian violence, the trauma of burning women at the stakes, the trauma of so many Native American children murdered and placed in mass graves. Next, we're going to turn to Trina Reynolds-Tyler, organizer with Not Me, We, a mutual aid group in South Shore. She's also data director at the Invisible Institute. Welcome, Trina. 
Hi, thanks for having me. Trina, you've been listening along to uh, my conversations so far. I I wonder what's top of mind for you Mm -hmm. right now, just based on everything you've heard so far. I think there are a couple things happening here because it's important to name that Chicago has mass shootings happening regularly, but um, they look different. Like the Buffalo and Uvalde shooting is different from intercommunal violence, like intercommunal shootings. But like I lost um, someone from my neighborhood last year, a young woman, Kimbella, age 27 in a mass shooting on 75th street. And so um, I think when we're having conversations about like guns and like guns in our community and like mass school shootings, et cetera, it's important that we distinguish between like white supremacy by way of an individual coming to like mass murder, you know, um, children and black elders, et cetera, because of misinformation and, or, you know, of anger and hate, hatred for like a specific group of people. Um, and, and like the, and like the difference between that and like, um, conflict that has been like stoking and existed within communities for quite some time Mm -hmm. that are, that are in direct relationship with um, many communities, lack of resources, et cetera. Like um, mass shooting, the the context, when we discuss mass shootings and we're talking about our communities and like when when we're feeling safe, it's important to distinguish between the two. So with all of this, Trina, right, are you feeling safe? No, absolutely not. And I haven't even before these mass shootings, which which hit me heavy. Shout out to the first speaker. I totally I I resonate with you so much. Um, um, Like, I don't I haven't felt safe for quite some time. And I feel like it's been slowly escalating. Right. I feel like a lot of our communities are within these bubbles where we seldom see violence. And then some communities are seeing violence more regularly. And so when we're hearing things about carjackings and like stray bullets and X, well, you know, someone's at the bean and they've been murdered, right? Like when, when folks see those things, they're like, they begin to hyperventilate and freak out a bit. But the truth of the matter is there are a lot of people in this city who haven't felt safe for quite some time. And, and these most recent events are just exacerbating it. Our grief is literally compounding exponentially, not only because of pan- the pandemic, right, COVID-19, et cetera, mm-hmm. but also the kind of the kind of things that brew in the in the world where pandemic is occurring. A lot of people live in the home where their abuser is. And so they are not gaining, you know, because of the infrastructure right now, we're not folks are not gaining access to services. Yeah. Um, well, on, on this nowhere to go on this talk you know? of safety, Trina, I wonder what role does knowing your neighbors play here? Oh, it's I mean, it's incredibly important that we I, I think that's the thing beyond, you know, a lot of folks are talking about like more police, etc. I feel like knowing our neighbors, being in tune with one another, having a safety plan, being on the same page is the utmost importance here. Um, a lot of times people are going through it, you know, you never know how you can easily support your neighbor just by way of, you know, existing within some ecosystem and the things that can just be flagged for you, right? Like this young shooter, he lives in a community, young shooters every day, they live in communities where people are seeing them as they, you know, uh, be developed and grow in this world and, and, and seeing them witness grief and seeing them project violence into the world. We're seeing folks experience substance use disorder, seeing people um, struggle with their mental wellness. And it's important as neighbors that we know each other and uplift each other. So we have safety plans. And when when someone needs help, they'll have someone to go to. Because right now, it's like, where can people go? 
So what do you want to see the governments do on the local and federal level? Honestly, um, truly speaking, uh, one, we need like better treatment across the board, like substance use, mental health, et cetera. Like I know treatment, not trauma is up um, to potentially be voted on, which is where like if someone's experiencing a mental mental health crisis, like, uh, some responders can come that are not not necessarily police. I think there's a community benefits agreement that is also on the board, just like talking about how we, how we don't do this thing where we displace folks, right. Yeah. Um, where we're, you know, we're making, making space for tenants to have a safe place to live who are folks are not being taken advantage of by the multiple institutional systems that exist. And then my last thing is just like really improving our, the way this young people right now are experiencing an immense amount of grief more than we as adults can understand, I, I mean, I cannot yeah. imagine being this age. And so I really think we need to be mindful about creating op- spaces and opportunities for them to come out, for them to have fun, for them to express themselves without necessarily having to go to some far off place. Right. Yeah. Um, and also we need responsible adults who are going, who are, who understand conflict and can equip our young people with the tools that they need to squash the beef. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, a, um, it's, it's a tough time. It's a tough time for everyone all around adults and, and our young people. That's uh, Trina Reynolds Tyler with the Invisible Institute. Thank you so much, Trina. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.